Hey everyone, Anthony Fantano here, internet's busiest music nerd, and it's time for another episode of the Needle Drop Podcast, where we interview content creators from across the internet. In this episode, my guest is a doctor, author, public speaker, a content creator. As I said, he runs the nonprofit nutritionfacts.org, where you can find daily videos on food, health, and nutrition. Some of my favorite videos of his are his annual video series, his seminars, where he talks about things like uprooting the leading causes of death and preventing disease. He also has a new book out called How Not to Die, which I just ordered maybe an hour before this interview now that I see that it's recently been released because I saw that uh, there was like a little uh, funding campaign to sort of get revenue for the book together. My guest is Dr. Michael Greger. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. Happy to be here. You're just you're just so amped. Coy, what's the, what in the world is there not to be amped about? That's <laughs> well, nothing really. Let's 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 just go. Let's let's do it. Um, this this is going to be a pretty short interview in comparison with my other interviews because I know you have others to get to later today. Uh, so and and I know that you've probably said this to many people before, but just for the sake of my audience who are unfamiliar with what you do, uh, give us a little bit of an elevator pitch as to what people can find when they go on to nutritionfacts.org. Nutritionfacts.org is a free nonprofit science-based public service providing daily updates on the latest in nutrition research. Via bite-sized videos, more than a thousand videos, nearly every aspect of healthy eating, with new videos and articles uploaded every day, nutritionfacts.org. Dude, you got it memorized. <laughs> <laughs> um, I go it, on a lot of elevators, so yes. you, you got to have that handy. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So... On your website, it's very obvious that uh, uh, evidence-based nutrition, nutrition studies, food studies are very important to you. Uh, generally, where do you find a lot of these studies? How do you vet them? I mean, as, as you already know, and as uh, you'll probably explain to my audience here, uh, there are quite a few studies out there uh, where maybe a lobby or a company that sells X might put money into a study and lo and behold, they find that X is uh, amazing for you and uh, eat tons of it because there are all sorts of health benefits. Uh, when going through these studies, how exactly are you making sure that these conflicts of interest aren't coming up? Now, you know, science today is uh, fraught with fraud, bias, sloppiness, conflicts of interest, you know, quietly shelving and burying unfavorable outcomes, inappropriate interpretations. But, you know, I figure it's like that Winston Churchill quote, you know, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. Right, so one could say that the peer-reviewed scientific literature these days is the worst form of evidence except all the others. Right? How else can we make life or death decisions for ourselves, our families, our patients, but by the best available balance of evidence? And so to do that, you just need to, you know, uh, to look at it all. So, you know, I know 14,000 or so articles published every year in nutrition. Um, so, you know, 70 or so a day. So you just got to go through them all, make sure you don't miss any. And, uh, and uh, you know, you always want to look to what the funding source is, as you mentioned. doesn't automatically mean that it's, uh, you know, uh, the, the study is distorting the science. But you just, you know, it helps to know um, so you can keep that in the back of your head when you're reading it to make sure that the study design wasn't, done in a way to get a, you know, a favorable result. 
Um, how long have you sort of been on this journey where you've been searching through these thousands and thousands of studies? And 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 before and before you came to this point where you're at now with this book being uh, just released, um, where were you at, like ideologically, when it came to diet and health? I mean, is there anything that you didn't know before that you learned uh, as you were going on this journey that sort of uh, uh, caused you to do a 180 on anything that, uh, that that was sort of just accepted as a general truth to you? Well, this is, uh, this is the big five-year anniversary uh, to Nutrition Facts started in 2011, so excited to be here in 2016. Um, uh, I, I mean, I learn new stuff all the time. I mean, the, the, when I do videos, you think I knew any of that stuff? This is all based on new research. Every time a new article gets published, I learn something new, and I just pass that something new on to other people. But before I pulled up the study, I had no idea, you know. And so my diet changes all the time. Yeah. Um, in fact, that's, you know, one of the reasons I have, uh, you know, my book, I, I go through this kind of daily dozen checklist of all the things I want to include in my daily routine because, you know, I'll go along and find some absolutely amazing evidence to support, you know, adding a tablespoon of flax seeds to one's daily diet or a quarter teaspoon of turmeric to one's daily diet. I'm just like so pumped. I get into the habit and then I just like, for you know, I forget or something. And then all of a sudden, you know, a month or two later, another amazing article. i like, oh, damn, forgot about the flax seeds. Oh, I got to do that again. <laughs> so, um, so I was like, darn it. All right, I'm going to start. I got a little whiteboard and just made a list. It's like, all right, oh, yeah, I got that today. I got that. Oh, I forgot to eat berries today. All right, check that off. Hmm. Um, and so that's that's kind of so that's what evolved into this kind of uh, daily uh, dozen things, um, you know, because I, I wanted the book not to just really kind of to extend beyond the website. See, the website looks it's got a thousand videos. That's great. But it can be a little overwhelming. You know, I do have those year in review videos that goes, to, you know, through the science in 12 months chunks. I'm glad you uh I'm glad you appreciate those, but you know, I'm, it's, I wanted to do more than just compile all the most compelling evidence in one place. I wanted to it to be more kind of a reference book, but, but you know, practical guide on translating this mountain of data into you know day to day kind of decisions. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll link to those videos as well as the book down there in the description box. Uh, even though it seems that a lot of people uh, generally are not sort of taking to heart a lot of the the the. The recommendation, the dietary recommendations, uh, sort of that the plant-based community is putting out there, uh, it's it's not for lack of interest in health. I think I just think there's kind of a, a bit of a, I guess a certain level of confusion that people have in terms of what's healthy eating. Um, and, and I noticed that a lot of the studies that you reference, it seems that you favor them in terms of, a they have a certain outcome, you know, they, they help this, they alleviate that, they cure this, uh, they, they sort of prevent this. What exactly to you sort of, uh, qualifies as a telltale sign of health or healthfulness or healthy eating? Uh, because I think for a lot of people, health is kind of this nebulous term health is kind of whatever people define it to be if someone just generally feels good feels healthy then they sort of define themselves as such uh, should we be looking at things like disease should we be looking at things like weight gain and bmi to sort of tell us uh, oh wow that's really a red flag the most important thing for me is hard endpoints uh which is just fancy doctor speak for you know death 
um, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, the surgery diagnoses, you know, instead of risk factors, you know, yes, it's interesting to know what one's cholesterol is, but the only reason you care about cholesterol is because you care about the number one cause of death in men and women, heart disease. Uh, the only reason you care about, you know, your blood sugars, you want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're not doing damage to your body and pre-diabetic, et cetera. And so, you know, risk factors are helpful because, you know, you can find those out very short term. So, you know, you eat healthy enough, you go on a plant-based diet, in one or two weeks you can drop your cholesterol a significant amount, and that just gives you a sense of uh, the kind of the direction your body's going in. Um, but it's the studies that, you know, do an intervention, follow people out for a couple of years and actually see differences in uh, cancer progression, differences in, uh, you know, the, 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 the openness of the arteries. Um, uh, and, you know, healthy enough diet, you can reverse heart disease, opening up arteries without drugs, without surgery. That's the really exciting stuff. Um, but, you know, you can get some kind of indicators. You know, if your blood pressure is getting better, your cholesterol is getting better, your blood sugars are down, your triglycerides are down. These are all good indicators that, uh, you know, you're moving in the right direction. But you want to make sure that, uh, you know, ideally, whatever diet you're eating has been put to the test in an interventional trial that's randomized people into two groups and uh, the diet that you're eating. Um, uh, people did better than any other diet. And that's the, I mean, that's, so that's why I eat a plant-based diet, because there's only one diet ever been proven to reverse heart, reverse heart disease in the majority of patients, this plant-based diet. And if that's all it could do, reverse our number one killer, then shouldn't that be the default diet until proven otherwise? And in fact, it's also effective in treating, reversing, arresting other leading killers, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, just seems to make the case overwhelming. And so anytime anyone approaches you and says, hey, did you hear about this other cool diet? You know, do me a favor, ask them, wait a second, has this new diet been proven to reverse heart disease? You know, number one reason me and all my loved ones will die. If the answer is no, I mean, why would you even consider it? just makes no sense to me. Yeah, it's, it, um, it seems like in that regard that there's, there's quite a few different diets to sort of try out. I mean, people throw out a uh, paleo diet, gluten-free, uh, low carb, and some people advocate the idea that you could be healthy at any size. Some people advocate the idea that, uh, or sort of will bring up an anecdote of maybe their grandfather ate eggs and bacon and drank whiskey every day. And he lived until 101 or something. Well, I mean, look, I mean, you can say, yeah, yeah, well, my, uh, my my dad never wore a seatbelt and didn't die in a car crash, so I'm not going to wear a seatbelt. Well, I mean, what? I mean, I mean, that's that's what you know. Reducing risk is all about. I mean, does it, does a seatbelt guarantee you're not going to die in a car crash? No, but it reduces your risk. That's why we do it. That's why anyone with a, a brain, you know, takes simple side effect free solutions to you know to to reduce their risk and to reduce the risk of their families, and it just you know, it makes no sense to me that people are, um, you know, are, are uh, gambling with their lives like that. People advocate a lot of stuff, but it's the science. I mean, that's why we have science now. We don't have to just like, you know, dream, you know, come up with funky little theories. We can put them to the test and some diets, you know, uh, pass with flying colors and other diets kill people. I, I think this is part of the reason why uh, so th there's a lot of confusion over these issues to go back to your sort of uh, uh, your seatbelt anecdote. For a lot of people, uh, not wearing a seatbelt seems to have a very 
violent and obvious outcome which causes uh, people who see that outcome not using the seatbelt uh, to use them. Uh, whereas earlier when you were talking about uh, the things that you know, a plant-based diet, plant diet prevents and sort of the, the, the things that you could see sort of through a blood test that it lowers, um, people aren't exactly internally feeling the nuances of these differences between a plant-based or a, a you know sort of an animal product an american sort of standard diet uh as they're eating it necessarily um especially if they're switching from one to the other immediately you're not necessarily going to see uh, everything all the issues that you're dealing with if you are dealing with any sort of alleviated within a day um so if you can sort of advocate for uh, a plant-based diet based more on um sort of maybe the physical or maybe any visual differences or improvements that people might be seeing as they continue down that road, as they continue down that lifestyle. Uh, because again, I think for a lot of people, uh, the science doesn't necessarily translate into, um, uh, real life differences unless we're talking about long-term, you know, because for a lot of people, uh, the, the, the issues with sort of leading a life with a standard American diet, uh, those issues don't arise up until sort of it's too late or until they're at a point where they're beyond wanting to change their diet or uh, they're at a point where they're actually, you know, face to face with heart disease. And we're talking about, you know, sort of 30, 40 years down the road, if, if they're lucky, because it seems like uh, these issues are coming on earlier and earlier. Well, I mean, I, I mean that. Well, that's the problem. I mean, the problem is people aren't. You know, people are eating as if there's no tomorrow. In fact, I even I did a video. There was a study of analysis of last meals requested by death row inmates. And they're just like, well, what are people actually requesting, right? Um, and it turns out what people are requesting, and they know, look, you can eat anything, you're going to die the next day, right? I mean, so it's like guaranteed whatever you, you could eat, whatever you want, it's not going to, you know, who cares what happens, right? And it turns out that pe what people order for their last meals before getting executed is pretty much the standard American diet. So people are eating day to day as if, you know, they're going to just like drop dead, um, and they're just not putting any thought into the long-term health and well-being. Now, thankfully, there are, you know, it's like people who smoke. I mean, it's like you smoke cigarettes, people feel good. The nic nicotine gives you a rush, right? Um, and so you just don't worry about, well, yeah, what's going to happen years down the road. Um, you know, all you get is kind of positive feedback. You know, your nails turn yellow and you can, you know, get some more colds and get coughing or something. But, I mean... In general, it's a, you know, it's a positive sensation, just like Krispy Kremes are a positive sensation, but, uh, you know, uh, are do you know, are uh, not a good idea for one's long-term health. No, but thankfully, plant-based diet, you go on a healthy diet, and you do see immediate benefits. So all of a sudden, your constipation clears up, you sleep better. You uh, more energy. I mean, so these are some of the typical things one sees, you know, reported in these kind of studies. And for people, you know, with chronic pain conditions like arthritis, uh, or you know, I mean, can you can get these uh, dramatic improvements? People with angina, crushing chest pain, um, within weeks that can clear up. Um, I mean, so and that'll give people the kind of added incentive to keep it up. Um, uh, but you know, you'll never know how you feel eating healthy unless you give it a try. So I encourage people, you know, uh, try eating healthy for a couple of weeks and, uh, let your body, uh, uh, tell you what it thinks of it. 
the, the standard American diet that you're talking about, uh, have those standards today changed drastically from what the standard American diet might have been 50 years ago from, from your experience and from what oh, yeah. you've you know, no, seen? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's actually as horrible as it is. Um, and, you know, it's a, our diet is the number one cause of death and disability in the country, bumping tobacco smoke to killer number two. Smoking only kills half a million Americans a year, where our diet kills hundreds of thousands more. But it's actually improved, surprisingly. Um, so we're actually eating less cholesterol, we're eating less, a little less saturated fat. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, we're continuing to eat the same amount of horrible processed foods. We're continuing to eat not enough fruits and vegetables. Um, but uh, it was it was pretty measurable, you know, for you know the last half century period. But mm. uh, now we have, uh, but you know that was before 1990 when Dr. Dean Ornish proved in his lifestyle heart trial that you could reverse heart disease. I mean, something that we didn't even really know was possible. Um, and so you know, since that day, since July 1990, not a single person should die. Should have died. Hmm. Or just, since then, of course, hundreds of thousands of people continue to die because they just don't know. They were never given that option. Doctors don't know it, so patients don't know it. And people are dying unnecessarily. Families are being devastated unnecessarily. That's why I wrote the book "How Not to Die." Uh, you're talking about these sort of slight improvements on the American diet over the past 50 years, but still today we're dealing with things like the obesity epidemic. Uh, what exactly do you sort of attribute to, you know, what, what factors do you see kind of playing out into that outcome exactly and in, in the way that people eat today, if it's sort of improved by any stretch of the imagination? Well, I mean, the, the key to healthy, sustainable weight control is to adopt a diet that emphasizes nutrient-dense but calorically dilute foods. Uh, such, such that you know one never has to worry about calorie counting or portion control. You know we evolved over millions of years eating exceedingly fiber-rich diets, probably exceeding like 100 grams a day, based on studies of uh, fossilized human feces. And so, um, you know, and the, what happens is with that fiber is the good bacteria in our gut convert the fiber into these short-chain fatty acids, which are absorbed into our bloodstream, affect our metabolic hormones, reduce our appetite. But if we don't eat enough fiber-containing plant foods, we rob our body of the natural satiety signals. So when people are eating processed foods, people are eating animal foods, they're eating all these calories, but their body just never seems satisfied. And they overeat, 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 and then they get fat and sick. And... Uh a lot of the evidence that you sort of uh, point towards, you know, picks out animal products, meat specifically, uh, you know, is, is having some dangers to consuming it on a regular basis. Uh, are these issues exacerbated today by consuming more of it or uh, how we sort of process it? Uh, it's, it seems like there's a big difference in animal agriculture today versus, you know, 100 years ago. Um, uh, well, I mean, the biggest difference is that it's cheaper, so people eat more of it. Mm. I mean, so it's really a quantity issue. Um, so certainly, um, you know, uh, we've, we've, you know, we, we've kind of uh, engineered these animals through selective breeding um, to, you know, to fit whatever qualities people want. And so, you know, chickens 100 years ago had 16 fat calories. Now they have over 200. Um, uh, so it went from about 2 grams of fat to over 20 grams of fat. So 10 times more calories from fat, 10 times more fat. Um, and that's because, you know, we, you know, 
you know, we want chickens to be juicy and dripping with, you know, fat. I mean, that's what the, that's the, you know, McDonald's wants their McNuggets to be greasy. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so chicken used to be healthier. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, so, but, uh, you know, how, uh, I mean, no chicken in the universe has any fiber. You know, animals have bones to hold them up. Plants have fiber to hold them up. So you're not going to get your phytonutrients, you're not going to get your antioxidants, you're not going to, you know, so it's like, you know, every, everything we put in our mouth has an opportunity cost. You know, it's a lost opportunity to put something healthier in our mouth, and there's nothing healthier on the planet than these whole plant foods. So it's like, you know, every time you're, you know, taking up, you know, some calories in your 2,000-a-day calorie bank or whatever with foods that are less than optimally healthy, it's, you know, a lost opportunity to do your body right. Yeah, because uh, it's it's interesting that you sort of bring up that that factoid about you know finding uh, evidence of fibrous foods in fossils of human feces. Uh, it seems to go against the general argument that uh, humans evolved eating meat and so on and so forth. Well, it's just not. I mean, they're talking about the Paleolithic period, right? Which is the last two million years, as if human beings just popped out of existence. You know, Adam and Eve came around. And, uh, you know, uh, rode some dinosaurs over and poof. Um, but, you know, we, uh, we broke off from our uh, great ape ancestors about 20 million years ago. She said, wait a second, what happened during the first 90% of our evolution? Well, we were plant-based like our fellow great apes. Um, uh, and so our biochemistry, our bodies, our organ systems, everything evolved in this context of, of uh, plant foods. Um, and then, uh, but uh, so only, you know, in the last kind of 10% did we, you know, we start seeing evidence of, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, scarring on bones that suggest we started using tools to start butchering, etc. Um, and of course, it was a boon to human civilization because we evolved in a, in a context of famine, essentially. So anytime you can get um, calorie-dense foods like brains and bone marrow and stuff gives you a better chance to live until reproductive age to pass along your genes. But, you know, that's not a, the problem we have right now, getting enough calories to survive till puberty. Um, the problem we have now is these chronic diseases of older age, and uh, we have uh, a wonderful body of science that can tell us what to do to avoid those chronic diseases. The good news is we have tremendous power over our health, destiny, and longevity. The vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behavior. So let's do it. But a lot of these preventable diseases, uh, it, it seems like to the medical community as well as the people who are suffering from them, there's still so many mysteries uh, around the way these diseases work. Uh, and, and almost uh, a mystery as to why this person came to get the disease, you know, sort of like a why me sort of thing, um, almost to the point where when they see someone like you sort of saying what they're saying, almost as if these dietary choices are a silver bullet, it's kind of hard to believe. Um, you know, in, in, in your opinion, how much of a silver bullet are we talking about, you know, in terms we're, we're of some of these we're, diseases? We're talking, a, we're talking about a diet that can reverse the disease, not slow it down, not just stop it, but actually cure the disease. You can have type 2 diabetes, go on a plant-based diet, and then not have type 2 diabetes. You can have hypertension, the number one risk factor for death in the world, and then not have high blood pressure off all drugs thanks to a healthy diet. When you treat the cause of disease, 
about 80% of our death and disabilities, these chronic lifestyle diseases. So if you treat the cause of the disease, then the disease gets better. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's common sense and it works and it's been put to the test. It's not theory. It's not just someone's opinion. We randomize people to two different diets. One, one half gets better. The other half get, continues to get worse. Which half do you want to be in? All right. Um, moving on from uh, from here, what can you tell us a little bit, just a tease toward this book uh, that you've recently released? Uh, what can people look forward to in this book that they haven't necessarily seen in your videos? I understand that you pretty uh, that, that you do some specific dietary recommendations in this book and sort of go into sort of what you're eating on a daily basis. Yeah, so I have chapters on the role diet um, may play in preventing, arresting, or reversing each of our 15 leading causes of death. So I just go, you know, 15 chapters, each of our 15 leading causes of death, chapter on each, you know, 3,000 citations, just go through. And so there's all the compelling signs. And then, okay, well, how do you actually make it work in your life, in your family's life? Well, that's the second half of the book where I go through you know, this kind of traffic light system, say what are the healthiest foods, what are the least healthy foods, what do I mean by processed foods, what do I mean by plant-based, and then these are the foods we really got to try to get into our daily diets. So here's the daily dozen, how much exercise, how much beverages, what's the healthy sweeteners, just go on and on, all the real practical stuff that you know people ask me questions all the time. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, yes, there's the science that like there is on the website, but then I just kind of get a little more personal. Um, the book allowed me the flexibility to go beyond just sticking to the science and be like, all right, well, in my professional opinion, this is hot, what, you know, what I'm eating for breakfast. Now, is there a study saying that if I eat this for breakfast, something's going to happen? No, but uh, I mean, you know, all I'm just, that's why there's never been a video about it, but because, you know, it's just like, all right, I've read all these studies, you know, how, how do I make it work in my life? And so I just want to share that. And if it works for people, great. If it doesn't, that's fine too. You should take the same body of evidence and find a way to, you know, uh, to, to use that same body of evidence to eat in a different way, as long as you're, you know, following these general principles. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, personally, it's been interesting to sort of see a channel talking about uh, the types of dietary guidelines that you talk about and it not be a vlog channel, you know, how it, it not be sort of a personal uh, exploration into these foods. Uh, it's very science-based. It's very fact-oriented. It's referenceable. Um, and, you know, it sort of stands up to the criticism that a lot of people throw at uh, these types of recommendations that, you know, it's sort of just made up. It's just, you know, feel-good science. It's just kind of vegan propaganda or something. I mean, I, I, mean, I have no patience for that. I mean, I mean, just, you know, I mean, anybody, anytime anyone says anything about an important topic. Now, look, you're doing a music review. Say whatever the hell you want, right? Say whatever the hell you feel. But when you're talking about something that life or death, talking about something that could hurt people or that could help people, um, then you got to have your stuff together. I mean, you've really got to, you know, you weren't born with this knowledge. So how did you come about it? Did you just hear about it? Did you read about it somewhere? Where did you read about it? Let's, let's track this back to the primary source to see if there's any credibility to it. But instead, people just make pronouncements, you know, like a guru just says, well, do this. You know, don't question I mean, I, 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 that, that, that annoys me. I mean, again, if you're talking about something trivial, then fine. Say what, tell people to do whatever you want. But, 
you know, when it's something, you know, when someone says, you know, put butter in your coffee or something, I mean, it's like, oh, you know, you, you realize you're going to hurt people, right? I mean, like literally hurt people. Um, and, uh, and unfortunately, I don't think people take that responsibility serious enough. Um, and so that's why there's nothing on my site, almost nothing. I mean, sometimes I can't help but have a little of my opinion sneak in there, but I really work hard to be like, look, everything I cite, in fact, you look at my videos, there's the paper right there. I don't have to reference it. I show it to you right there. There's the graphs, there's the illustrations, there's the quotes right in front of you. You know, did I interpret it wrong? Well, look, here's the links. Click on sources cited. Here's the links. To, you know, pull down the PDF, read it yourself. You know, maybe I made a mistake. You know, the, the, you know, jump right in here. Let's do this together because it's a matter of life and death. It's, we're talking about your family's health. So you got to take this serious. You can't just, uh, just, you know, believe somebody because they said it. You have to get at the best approximation of the truth. All right. I want to thank uh, Dr. Michael Greger for coming on the show and talking about his new book and uh, sort of the dietary guidelines that have come out of his fantastic website, nutritionfacts.org. Mike, thanks for coming on the show. So glad to be here.